welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Hey, Jeremy, how you doing this week? Good, man. It's the calm before the storm of build, so lots of things we hadn't thought about that we are scrambling to get done. Uh, but that's normal. <laughs> like that's just part of the course. As yeah. people, other eyeballs start seeing blog posts and wait a minute, just always adds to the fun of these big events. It's good. Is it eye of the hurricanes? Probably better, right? You had a whole bunch of flurry of work going on to record them, and then <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, actually, it's better doing the pre-recording beforehand and then having this on its own in in a, a live event perspective. Doing still prepping for demos and getting your session ready in parallel to all this makes it extremely hard. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I prefer it this way for sure is the upside. To be honest, I haven't registered yet. I haven't had a chance to look at anything yet. Hopefully there's something interesting in there. So Yeah, there is. Although there's a few people on Twitter that will go and mention that clearly pointed out that they don't think there is. But um, ignore those people because <laughs> there actually is a fair bit of new stuff coming through on the various different bits and pieces. So, yep, it's on my to-do list. So that's the crazy stuff going on. Yeah, and um, don't forget to sign up for the um, product roundtables and the one-on-one engagements that you can do through the um, the various different interfaces in the build sign-in pages. It's definitely worthwhile. We've got quite a few SMEs still sitting around without their calendars for yet, so there's still an opportunity to sign up to get kind of one-on-ones and different things to grill people if you've got things you want to talk about. I certainly want to hear a post-mortem on how that went. Obviously not disclosing anything we shouldn't, but uh, after you guys and guys are done with that, I'd love to hear how it went and how it was reacted. So awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm really intrigued by like the questions that come up in those things. And, you know, obviously it's going to generate a lot of demand for new content we need to push out there so that, you know, we assume if one person's asking these questions, others will be as well. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited for those ones. It's going to be fun. So the links this week, um, focusing a bit on Microsoft links uh, for this week. The first one is a couple of videos on the Microsoft 365 Developer YouTube channel. These are both from Bob German. Uh, well, obviously there's a lot, of, a lot of videos on that channel here, but Bob is talking a couple of videos about uh, using ngrok to develop microsoft teams apps or developing apps without ngrok so uh, i haven't sat through all of those yet they're not too terribly diff- uh, involved uh, little snippet videos if you will so thanks bob for putting that together and it's uh, somewhat relevant because um there was an update to the yo teams generator as well that uh, uh, we'll talk about in depth on a future episode but uh great to see some more little snippet content coming out there from the 365 developer youtube channel yeah what's interesting is um with this this notion of snack videos or shorts, as YouTube is now calling it as a competitor to TikTok. Mike Tholson, if you're in the education space, you'll know who he is. Um, or maybe if you're in the following the OneNote kind of channels. He started a TikTok with like minute length videos doing tips on OneNote or M365 in general. And like his videos are getting like a million views on TikTok, um, which is quite amazing. But it highlights the these 30 minute long sessions is not really what people want or want to consume. And so I'm doing a little experiment with the graph on both TikTok and YouTube shorts, which you can access through any of the mobile apps that YouTube has in the bottom left, um, where I'm doing quick tips and tricks in like 60 seconds or less in their weird 1080p1920 vertical <laughs> vertical resolution. So we'll see. I mean, maybe there are developers on here, those channels, maybe they're not, but it's just a little experiment we're trying just to see whether people prefer that way of consuming content, like 
all these cute, cool neat kids do. The biggest observation I've had with TikTok is that you have to kind of train the algorithm really quickly. Otherwise, you end up just seeing a lot of people dancing to music. <laughs> so pro tip, go into the hashtags and whatever interests you. Like for me, I put cars, my Jeep in there, the Jeep Wrangler, and there's plenty of content on there from all creators around those types of things. But if you don't do that, you're basically going to get dancing girls. So I don't know, it seems to me we're creating a, a generation of developers that are uh, a mile wide and an inch deep. So uh, we'll see how it, how it works out, but which is ironic because that's not, that's landscape mode, but whatever. <laughs> Anyways, whatever works for folks, right? Happy to get stuff out there. Thank you all for taking 45 minutes to listen to us. Yeah, you remind me of the, <laughs> the, uh, the grumpy old men in the Muppets standing in the- uh, Stadler and Waldorf. Yeah, yeah. standing in the yeah. theater, right, like waving their cane at the rest of the- yeah. yeah, Eric Shepson and I did a session at the SharePoint conference. Was we did the Statler and Waldorf persona, the two of us up there complaining about stuff. <laughs> it was fun. Next link is a little bit closer to Microsoft Graph. Here, the the Microsoft Graph Toolkit has an update. I don't know if it's called a new version, but it has new components and updates to the MSL provider. So a little bit of stuff on there. So I put a link to the announcement blog post on that from. Uh, from Beth and Nicola and the team. Yeah, and it's really cool. We've already had some partners launch um, the using this preview of the file component, the file pickers. Uh, you know, again, save you time. You don't have to go build all that whole UI and customers and users will be familiar with the experience if you use our MGT toolkit components. So um, if you're building stuff where you're integrating with OneDrive, um, definitely go check out those new file components inside of the Microsoft Graph Toolkit. The last link I found for this week is uh, rebrand apps to your organizational branding inside of Teams. And so well, this is along the lines of uh, you can go into the apps catalog. And if you find an app that's in there and in the blog post, they're looking at the, the service now virtual agent where you can go through and set a custom icon and title and color palette on the app that would match your organization, even though the app was not written by your organization. So this is a somewhat um, uh, interesting way to go here. Now, of course, there are some settings down here that says, you know, if I'm an app developer, I can say, what am I going to allow customers to change? So it's it's not just a wild, wild west. But this is a, a, a great start for, for organizations that, that do that. And I want to point this out to developers because, hey, you know, sometimes it'll get better adoption if, if it isn't just, you know, your crazy logo that you think is awesome, but none of your customers are understand so maybe you can help them out so great to, to see the team's app customization moving in that that direction it's cool and then this week you had Mikel on obviously because he's in Europe it's easier time zone for you to do this <laughs> but um, what did you guys talk about yeah, so uh, we did like a, took a step back and first we talked about the the modern search web parts in the PNP organization because as, as SharePoint went to modern, some of the search stuff, or actually I should say when, when SharePoint moved to the cloud, a lot of the fun stuff that we could do in the search uh, settings uh, was taken taken out or didn't work you know, in the cloud. So uh, we talked a bit about that, um, the stuff that the, he did in, in that regard. Then we moved on to more of the overall search strategy from, from uh, my Microsoft 365, what's what's there, what's coming. Obviously, we didn't. This is a pre-build episode, so it's not like you get a lot of tidbits in there. But it's great to hear someone from a PM's point of view going through and talking about some of the struggles and challenges that they have and how they're solving those. So it's great to see that. Great to hear, uh, Michael. After many years of not being in person, to to see and talk about that. So thanks for coming on, Michael. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to listening to this myself. So um, enjoy, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right, see you. 
this week on the podcast, I'm happy to welcome Michael Svensson. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me. It's been a while. It has. It has. Even even before COVID struck, I don't know that we've been in the same place at the same time for quite a while. So it's great to to, to catch up. And now that we've clicked record, let's uh, let's let the rest of the world know who is Michael Svensson and what do you do. So my name is Mikael Svensson. So I am a program manager working on Microsoft Search. So I'm located in Oslo, Norway, in the or in the Fast organization. We still call it Fast internally. Uh, so I'm a PM working on the Search UX. I mean, it's a search application uh, you see when you search at Office.com or in SharePoint. That UX is um, is the team I'm part of. So we're responsible for doing that. Yes, and you have a, a lengthy history in Search UX, I'm sure, because uh, I know that you worked on the the patterns and practices sample web parts. You, you, I'm guessing you probably worked on the old server-side ones, but but at least the current SPFX-based ones, right? So can you tell us a little bit about what those are and how folks might use those, just as a little intro? Yeah, so, so I guess when, when SharePoint introduced Modern, I don't know how many years ago now, but it, the, the years just keep on pouring. So the, there were no modern web parts for search in SharePoint, as you had with all the classic search web parts, the content by search and search box web parts. And then the community project was started by Frank Cornu to create those in SharePoint framework uh, for our modern scenario. And then they're sort of taken on a life by themselves. So we moved it from the PMP samples web parts gallery on GitHub over to the solutions. And now they're actually hosted under the Microsoft Search GitHub repo. So I'm maintaining that repo and I'm also doing active development on those web parts. And, and again, the, the goal of those is really to give us parity to what we had back yeah. on, on prem, right? For the most part, or was there new stuff that I just haven't found yet? <laughs> no, I mean, I know a lot of people use it to recreate the search center experience with the search box and search filters and pagination and everything. Uh, my take is that they're better replacement for the highlighted content web part for content rollup where you need more customized like layouts because I want people to use out of the box search experience and not necessarily roll their own search experience, which is the reason for it, not just because I work on it, but but it's also the kind of content we are now surfacing in market search versus what you can in the SharePoint API. Yeah, and I think that's that kind of drives into to my next kind of question, set of questions. It, it Back in the day, we could change how search results would look. And and I do remember teaching folks how to create a new search vertical for whatever it was, a different content type or some on-prem data or whatever, and customize how that looked in the search results. And I, the out-of-the-box search that we get now in SharePoint and or Office 365 really doesn't do that. So could just give us, you know, from from a PM who works on the UX, give us your your thoughts about what what the the search UI that you deliver and should we be messing with it or not? Yeah. So when it got created, so I mean there's not much in the way things you can customize, which is coming, right? So it's on the roadmap so it's a little bit delayed. That means you will be able to add your own verticals, you will be able to add your own refiners or filters, which has been the number one ask. Modifying how the, uh, the actual search results look like is not quite there yet. So we have it for connector content, which sort of brings in one of the main differences with SharePoint API and the Microsoft Search or, or the Graph Search API, if you want. Since the SharePoint API, if you search, you can only get SharePoint artifacts or the user profiles in the UPA. But using Microsoft Search or our internal API or the Graph API, you can also get other one-party uh, one items or the collector results. 
So that means we sort of have, we have more results coming in. That means you can get Power BI results, Teams is part of this, Yammer messages, like they're all in our search backend. And that means we can mix and match this in our internal UI using our internal search API, which which is then trickling out to the graph search API more and more, right? So that means you will have richer set of entities coming out of the graph search API versus the Shepard API. Yes. So I know historically we could do searches or filtering, I guess, right? So if if you want to find a user, you can search for the graph slash users and do a filter equals. And obviously, as the graph has matured, things have gotten better. But the search API that you're referencing now, so this is graph.com slash v1 slash search, right? Is that the the good place? So what kind of data can we expect to see in there or what's there now? And and what do we... Yes, so right now you can search for uh, Sherpa items uh, or drive items if you just want files you can search for sites uh, you can search for email messages uh, and connector items i think those are the entity types right now and if you want to get people then you have to hit the profile api or the user api right so so that's sort of separated out from the graph search api how it's powered behind the scenes doesn't really matter as long as you have the search capabilities and a way of sort of getting items paging through, right? Right. And so I know that we see search a lot, like the stuff you're working on, right? If I go office.com, it's basically the top of every, every application now has some type of search. And is that the same API source that, that we're hitting here on graph or, or mostly the same? Or is, do I get Yeah, to... I mean, if you look at all, uh, look at our search experience also, you can also, if you look at Marcus Search Bing or Bing at Work or in Teams, right? They're all hitting the same search API behind the scenes, right? Our internal search API. I guess you could look at the graph API as a way of layering or exposing some of that functionality over time, right? Not everything is exposed right now, but more and more things will be exposed. And it has to adhere to the sort of the graph syntax, how things look and feel uh, feel as well. So so more and more things are or is making its, its way out. So for example, we have the new bookmark feature, right? Uh, which you can see in the title box, search UX, uh, search. So we're also looking at exposing those entities out through the graph API, right? So if you trigger for a bookmark, you could get the bookmark entity in as well. And then admin APIs for these will also make its way into the graph API. So, so the graph is sort of the, the way for all new admin and, and content APIs will be through the graph. Okay. And now I hit Microsoft Graph and I want to do a search. Is uh, the, the search language different than what we've seen in SharePoint in the past or extended or completely different? What is that going to look like for a, a, a legacy developer like me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's all KQL or the keyword query language. So if you if you know KQL, that works. If you're a scenario just to get SharePoint content, just you would hit the, the list items endpoint because as you know, and a lot of old time SharePoint knows like everything in SharePoint is a list item behind the scenes, right? It doesn't matter if it's a page recite or a document or like whatever, it's all a list item. So if you hit, hit it, if you're sort of bringing back the list item into the types, you can get everything and you can ask for all the managed properties you were used to before. So you can sort of use it um, similar to, to the SharePoint API. The main difference is the ranking. So when you hit the SharePoint API, you use sort of the old rank models we used in search, where you can order by date. Uh, of course, I mean, if you want to order by a sortable managed property. But 
when you hit the graph in, uh, graph API, we uh, you will use the personalized rank uh, model, which we use in market search as well, which focus more on you as a person and people who are close to you in the graph. So that's where the power of the graph comes into search. And that's not exposed through the SharePoint API. Okay, so I want to put a bookmark in that comment because that's certainly what yeah. I want to come back to. But now, so I can, again, I'm strong on my experience back in, in running SharePoint searches where I could, as you were saying, it different managed properties. But if I'm searching through Exchange items or Teams items or Yammer items, they may not, or do they have the similar concept of managed properties? Yeah, I mean, they they have properties coming back. Some of the properties you can, you can query on, and I guess if you if you look at the the schema for mail messages through the graph, so you all already see some of those items. I'm not sure which one you can sort of use as filters in KQL or not. Uh, so it might be a limited set. And I'm not sure it's uh, documented what works, but some of it should work. <laughs> <laughs> some of them work, some of them won't, right? So, yeah. so I'm, I, what, I, what I'm inferring here is that we, we want to just do the specify the KQL as if it was a SharePoint managed property and see what we get back. And I would imagine most of the popular items are, are going to be indexable or refinable, right? Because that's the experiences you guys are using, right? Yeah, I guess yeah, and by default you will get the set of set of properties coming back, right? The I mean for any for an email, for example, or for a message, there's like a set, set of common items you return back for an email message, which you will get back, and that sort of gives an indication you can start trying to sort of query back and forth. So I haven't tried this myself on email, so I mean I'd like. I, I can't vote what works and what doesn't work. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Which is fine. But if we're saying that the the search endpoint is is you know graph.com slash search, then it's certainly worth working. Then, okay. Now to go back to you said where it's the personal ranking, right? This sounds to me a lot like uh, the, the 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 graph calls we we when graph first came out, right? We could do different calls about you know find files shared with me, etc. Right. Is that the kind of stuff you're talking about? What we use to see on our Delve page? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same graph. So it's, it's like whoever you you work the most with, who are you messaging, who are you sending emails with, who are you collaborating on uh, or on documents together with. Like, so all those signals are in the graph. And it sort of bring or creates something we can use in our rank model to figure out what should be prioritized. And do I have to do something special to get this rank model or is that the default? Yeah, so that's the default rank model when you do graph search. Doing all that work for us, I like that, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And, and now then I again we whenever we do search I, I'm sure you have done this in the past right back in the day we'd put in search and index file shares and then show payroll information because no one put security around it I'm guessing we've you've covered all those aspects as well right <laughs> I mean, it, it's the same thing right so you, you can only get things you have access to uh, coming back in search um, so since you're searching with delegate permissions that means whatever you have access to that's what you will get back so I mean if you didn't secure the data well then data can come back right it's it's the same scenario which has haunted enterprise search for all the 20 years I've been in this space. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue it, does, it, it haunts the searchers, not the search itself. Search is doing what you told her, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the technology works and search has always honored sort of the, uh, the access control, but people people don't do access control the right way and, and it's still hard, right? So that's something 
you should. Uh, the, I think the product is looking for on the from the products are like how can you avoid oversharing of documents? Uh, how can you ensure that whatever uh, policies and using uh, yeah, using uh, document policies and like marking it the right way, saying well this is internal only, and having the client application sort of help you secure data the right way as well. So there's so, so not really a search problem, but that's where it surfaces and it does surface and. There's internal discussions around this topic every now and then, right? With small companies, large companies, uh, it's uh, managing information is hard. If it was easy, we wouldn't have jobs, right? Sometimes I wonder, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, um, obviously, searching, right? So we, we've talked about you know pull the UIs that you're doing, and and if we want to change things around, we have some some choices, and obviously, I can run search as well. But the couple times you've mentioned the the connector data or entities, right? So can you give us a little bit more detail about what that what that really means so connectors is a way for you to ingest uh, line of business data into our search index uh, that means you don't have to have an, uh, your own search index whatever that could be I mean it could be uh, it could be Azure search right they could index thing in, in there it could be Elasticsearch or some other providers. So there's there are other providers for enterprise search in space. But at least it, it allows you to get that line of business data in. So we have, for example, a ServiceNow connector, and that means you could set up a ServiceNow vertical in our search uh, UX surface in um, SharePointOffice.com and Microsoft Search in Bing for now. That means you could then go to that vertical for ServiceNow tickets, for example, or support uh, articles, KB articles, and then get that content back in search. And we're also working to, uh, or how best to sort of interleave that when you're in the all vertical, because we we all all know that people don't typically like click all the verticals in search. I mean, you go in, you go into all vertical, you type you type something, and you expect search to understand what you're thinking about, because that's what Google Google does. Yes, yeah, search is a box and a button, right? Anything else is more complicated, right? Yeah, which has <laughs> the power of millions doing the same thing, and it's all public data with no access control, right? Which is somewhat easier uh, than enterprise uh, enterprise search, but that's uh, that's how it is. But we are working to sort of figure out. What's your intent, and then bring back the right content. Um, you probably already seen if you search for a person, you will get that uh, person's people card or a cluster of people intermingled with the other results. So, so we are looking at the different entities to sort of figure out which entities should we show back in the um, in the old vertical. Uh, so, so that's quite uh, interesting. That's something we work a lot on. Sort of how can we capture that intent and figure out what, what your intent is. And you don't really have anything to go on. Yeah, especially and if I just do a random query from some third-party application, you you have very little context, right? So I can imagine that's a rather difficult thing, right? Um, and now these these custom entities, do I get to influence how those are rendered, or do I just need to map them to specific properties that you put in a certain way? Or yeah, so when you when you set them up, so you have so. If you think about, say, you have a database where you have, uh, say, five columns, so then the names of those five columns would then surface up in the setup, but then you would designate them to manage properties in the schema, which you can use back uh, use in search. And then you can say, okay, which one should be retrievable, which one should be refinable, same as you had in old search schema. But you can also use something called semantic labeling, or say, okay, this is a title, this is my author, and then we can use that information to sort of to improve our ranking experience. We do have a default template to render those items, uh, but you can also use adaptive cards. So we, we've gone with the adaptive card framework, which is a JSON payload where you can define or describe what the item should look like. Uh, and that allow, allows you 
great deal of flexibility. Uh, and the reason why we went with adaptive cards version or versus just HTML and CSS JavaScript, which we had in SharePoint, is we need to control this a little bit better. Um, it doesn't only run in SharePoint as search used to. I mean, it will run in it can run in Teams. It could run in Windows Desktop. It can run in mobile. So that means we need to have a renderer which can work across different clients and points. Um, and then adaptive cards uh, seems to be a pretty good choice. That's why we went for that. So this is this is the first time I heard I've heard that, which I love it. That's great. Is that something I set up then when I'm creating these uh, connections to external items or at runtime at search or where? Yeah, so you, you you set up the connection, and that just allows the data to come into the index. Uh, and you can still search it through the uh, through the public graph search API. But if you want to have it displayed in a vertical, you would go in the ad. Merkle search admin in the Office 365 admin center. So there's a setting there, and you would create you would create the vertical, and then you would create uh, something called or a result type similar to a result type as you did in Chrome Classic, where you said, okay, if this field equals this value, use this template. But you would then pick, well, for this external connector data, for this connector, use this template. But you can also add additional fields. So that means if you, so say you have support tickets with high, uh, medium, and low importance levels, you could add different template for those just looking at that property as well. So sort of the same the same uh, context where you pick the content source, and then you could add other filters, uh, which template to use. All right, so folks who have done sh SharePoint search applications in the past will understand the concepts. They just may have different names, so to speak, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Except we do have a visual builder, so you, you do get some sample adaptive cards to start with. So it's a visual layout builder, which is the same uh, builder. If, if, if you go to the adaptive card site, they have a builder you can play play around with it. So sort of it's an adaptation of that. There's some limitations to it, but it's more or less the same thing. And then I mean you can you can go all JSON or you can drag and drop sort of your properties into the different fields for it where you want to have them displayed. Okay, and that that is all then through the search admin experience. Yes, that's correct. Right. right. Okay. And so, um, is there a way for a developer to, to specify these templates, or is it at runtime, I guess, or at query time, or or is it really just set it up ahead of time? Yeah. So right now, you have to go into the um, the admin portal to set it up, but there will be an admin API uh, through the graph where you can create and um, delete these templates through the API instead of, uh, instead of using the, uh, the UX. And you will also get back when you do, if you query on the graph API, you can get the template back with the results. So you sort of get an ID and then it references, so it, it's, it's part of the payload. Okay. Oh, so if I am doing my own application and I want to borrow some of the search UX experience type thing for consistency's sake, right? I've got that. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, that's the first I'd heard that. I really like that. I guess that would also help if you're do if when when Microsoft is searching the results like in Outlook in the title bar or Word, right? Yeah, obviously you want to have something that can that can work in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, so that means at least you have. So if you have defined some adaptive cards to render those results, you can get them back in the in the API call. As well, if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Or if I have my own custom app when, and I put my custom data into the search index, I want it, yeah. my users to understand what it looks yeah. like. Yeah, I really like that that approach. That's that's really pretty slick. The next question I had, I guess, this kind of goes back to the we were talking about the the, the KQL syntax, and I assume I can then filter on entity type, right? Because even though you may be doing the search for me or I'm doing a, you know, the personal ranking, maybe all I want are Teams messages or calendar items. Can I do that kind of stuff? 
so right now, so you can specify to get uh, multiple entity types into the result set, but that means in the in the response it will be different groups. So if you ask for say uh, list items and for email messages, that would be sort of like two different result sets. Okay, so they're not interleaved. If I if I say give me a subset, okay. Correct. Right. Yeah, which to me at least makes sense because if you mixing different entity types, I mean, for some of them it might make sense, but for others it doesn't really. Like, if you do you want to mix uh, support tickets with files with list items with people, right? There will be a very confusing list. So yeah, yeah. You need to control the scenario. Yeah. Well, and actually, in my head, the scenario I'm thinking about really was just one of those. Right. So, so this is thinking back to custom application development, right? We, maybe we have a small set of data. We don't need a database. We can put it in a list. But now I want to do a search, and I want to focus that search on, on the list items that I instead of everything, right? So that awesome. Yeah, I'm not saying it won't be interleaved like sometime in, uh, in the future. Uh, but it's, I mean, you, you could probably interleave it just stupidly, uh, but, but you don't want to do that. I mean, you want to have some cleverness, right? It, it has to make sense to the, to the client. So even though you techni technically could, I mean, you could get Get all the different results as well. Okay, take number one from each one, and then you sort of go around Robin. That's not a very good approach. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. And now you mentioned a workload that uh, also surprised me: Power BI. So, sir, how does search work with Power BI? So right now, Power BI. I mean, there, um, if you go to Power BI and then you search, right, you will get you can find dashboards, reports. So it's basically just ensuring that we get the same results as into the market search UX instead of you having to go to Power BI to get those results. And so we're doing this with more and more items. So, you, so I think each each of the first party products in the market suite sort of has its own search uh, or search experience, but now we're bringing it all, all together into Microsoft Search uh, as well. Okay, so like in the Power BI example, it's not necessarily searching the report data, but metadata about reports and dashboards to find them, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. which means that eventually someday metadata about Power Automate flows or about Power Apps may show up there as well, right? And if you don't see them, folks, reach out to your friendly neighborhood PM that have, have them added in, right? <laughs> right. I guess. I guess. I mean, if there's a good scenario, it could be a. It could be yeah, a source. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. All right. So I. I love search. And and I really appreciate you coming on and giving us these tidbits on here. If folks want to learn more, I know you mentioned there there's the GitHub repo for the, the search web parts, right? But how else would, would folks find out about search and or reach out and with questions if they have any? I mean, you have the, the PMP search or modern search web parts, which also support the Graph API, by the way. So for some of those who had looked at our Microsoft Search roadmap slides, they will have seen PMP web parts on those slides. So that's that's a good thing about coming from the uh, community. So I guess I forgot to mention, I used to be an eight-time MVP before joining Microsoft about two years ago. It's sort of fun being so on the inside and outside and being or trying to control the, the full matter. Yeah, you're you're like the first that I've of and I can remember the first of all the MVPs that have switched over <laughs> during the pandemic. You you led the charge there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then also 
for the graph API, just go to the official Microsoft, uh, Microsoft Graph API and look up the search API. Uh, there's a lot of good documentation there, both on connector ingestion and also how to uh, use API to get uh, get data back. Awesome. And uh, th- th- thanks so much for taking the time to spell it out for us. And uh, we'll, we'll certainly get you back on when search gets more fun things for us to play with, right? And and you told me you're writing code for the UI. So when I can't find something, I'm going to blame you. <laughs> yeah, I'm still in search. It's a lot about sharing. Point, right and um, I mean I've written three books about SharePoint and search <laughs> so, so knowing knowing all the details and uh, about how this works it requires just years and years of experience and I guess I, I might be one of the more experienced developers in our org on SharePoint so I mean I, I love to help out and I think I probably do a pull request lately I think I've done a pull request at least every week right for the past months but now my my boss told me, well, again, now I need to focus more on my PM duties because we onboarded some more developers, so they have to take over. I was doing some super fun stuff for some new new things we're doing, but someone has to take over. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see them. And and again, the search has come a long way, and I, uh, you and the team have certainly done a lot of work. I, I get it. It's difficult, right? If, yeah. It's a box and a button, but yet find what I want. So really appreciate all the work that you and the team are doing. And thanks so much for coming on the show. It was really great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at m365devpodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 